The following recording is offered by the Village Zendo. For more information, please visit villagezendo.org. So welcome all of you online, all of you here at the Zendo, uh, to our monthly uh, Fusatsu Atonement Ceremony. Uh, this is on a kind of hot and humid August evening, so you can feel our vows, which is a good thing. So the Fusatsu Ceremony is one in which we acknowledge that we are totally connected to all of the evil karma that has ever been committed throughout space and time. And we also acknowledge that we're totally connected to all of the manifestations of awakened mind, all of the wisdom and compassion of the Buddhas. And then based on that facing of all the suffering, and that recognition of our own true nature, we vow to try to be of service, try to be of benefit, and to try to relieve suffering in the world. So that's basically uh, what we've done tonight uh, in a nutshell. And now we have a few minutes to look at the Zen precepts of ethical conduct. And uh, a couple months ago, I thought that I would uh, say a few words about the crisis in Ukraine. And right when I was scheduled to speak, there were a series of bombshell Supreme Court decisions that came down. And so I felt I had to say something about that. But I'd like to, to turn to the Ukraine uh, war. Uh, it's almost exactly six months now since it started. And uh, I was looking today at the numbers. We don't really have accurate numbers, but there are estimated tens of thousands of people who've died on both sides uh, or in between. Uh, tens of thousands of uh, people wounded, millions of people displaced, uh, forced into uh, refugee status. Um, so uh, the repercussions are going on around the world. We, we don't, no resolution is in sight. We have accusations flying from all sides. The Ukrainian government naturally um, attacks the Russian state for um, invading its sovereign territory, but it considers its sovereign territory. The Russian government attacks NATO and the West and ultimately the United States for encroaching upon its own sovereign uh, sphere of influence. We have Russian businessmen and intellectuals and artists and athletes who have been criticized and uh, actually sanctioned because they haven't denounced the invasion, or because they may have denounced the invasion, but not denounced the head of their government. So uh, very, very difficult situation. Um, 
So how can we we look at all of this? How can we um, judge what's right and wrong in, in this situation? And what can we do about it? I thought I would uh, get into it by looking at a koan in the Zen literature. And this is uh, called Shishian's um, Watching Closely. So it goes like this. Uh, Shishian of Lushan was once asked by an officer of the government. When I invaded and seized the city of Lingjing, I and my army troop killed countless people. Am I at fault? And Shishian replied, I am watching closely. That's it. So first of all, this uh, official of the government, let's imagine a general, he comes to a Zen master priest um, and asks him this question. It's interesting, why would he do that? Surely he knew that the first grave precept in Buddhism is non-killing. So was he looking for some to confess, looking for some kind of absolution, maybe? Maybe he'd heard that in Buddhism, there's a doctrine of emptiness, which says that no thing and no person has inherent existence. And therefore, ultimately, uh, there is um, no person who kills no person who dies, no, no killing at some level. Those are only words and ideas that don't match uh, the reality. Or maybe he was just looking for help. Maybe he felt he needed some spiritual guidance because he felt remorse and knew that he had done wrong. So there's a commentary on this koan by a contemporary Zen master, that is Daido Roshi, important teacher in uh, the United States and also someone in our own white plum lineage. And uh, Daido Roshi wrote a very surprising commentary on this koan, which is actually part of a set of koans that Dogen put together. And he completely excoriates um, lambasts Shishian for his response to the general. He said, this is completely inadequate. This is completely pathetic. Here you have a general in the Chinese army who's come and brought up this grave matter. And Shishian doesn't say anything about the precept of not killing. He doesn't use the opportunity to address the cause of suffering and harm and violence and warfare and all of the, uh, the damage that, that that does. He completely fell down on the job. He completely missed his opportunity. He's uh, 
So he says, this, this man is an imposter. This man is uh, not a true teacher, not a true priest. And uh, not only that, but he's karmically responsible for all of the harm that Zen and Zen teachers have done down to the present. This is, this is all very surprising because usually in the Zen literature, when you have someone in Shishan's position as a teacher, they represent wisdom and compassion. And when there's some criticism of the people in that position, uh, it's usually lighthearted or playful in a way a backhanded compliment that recognizes that they, their, their wisdom and compassion. But not here. Daido is categorical in his condemnation of Shishian. Now, uh, in the back of Daido's mind was uh, the fact that the Zen establishment and many prominent Zen teachers were complicit in the violence of the Japanese imperial state in World War II. They did not uh, object to the war, to the invasion of Manchuria. Many prominent Zen teachers um, came out explicitly in support of it. Teachers, including some very close to our own lineage, adopted right-wing nationalist ideology pioneers in introducing Zen to the United States in the early 20th century um, also completely defended the, the imperial campaigns. Powerful Zen teachers of the 20th century whose successors are now spread around the world also justified the violence. And so uh, this is what Daido uh, cannot abide. Here was Shishian, who had the opportunity to speak up against killing, and he didn't. And so I think that, um, in a way, uh, Daido Roshi is right here. Um, if we really take the first grave precept of not killing seriously and adhere to it strictly, then Shishan really did fall down on the job. He did nothing to uh, uphold it uh, and to uh, address the matter. But uh, was was Daido Roshi missing something in Shishan's response? Is there more to it? What was Shishan doing there in that exchange? There's another commentary on this uh, koan by another contemporary teacher, Gudo Nishijima. And Nishijima has a very different take on Shishan. It is much more appreciative of him and his, his response. And he also gives a slightly different uh, translation of what Shishan says. He says, Shishan's response was, this old monk, 
just watches reality in each situation. This old monk just watches reality in each situation. So for Nishijima, um, it's obvious that the general and Shishan both knew that, that the general had committed grave sins. His hands were bathed in blood. Both of them knew that completely. In fact, neither of them was denying it. It was the starting point of their whole exchange. But Shishian, Nishijima says, also knew that, Shish, that the general was acting, um, trying to fulfill his duties in his post. Shishan knew that there are many situations like this, which are very, very difficult, very um, complicated. Nishijima uses the word severe. There are times, situations that we get into in our life that are very severe. This is an example of that. And so he watches closely. He watches reality in each situation. He doesn't condemn the general. He doesn't absolve the general. He doesn't say uh, that he's sinful and he doesn't say that he's innocent. He listens to him and he hears him and he meets him where he is and says, I am watching closely. And Nishijima acknowledges that Shishan did not address the first grave precept of non-killing explicitly. But he says, sometimes we have to let go of the precepts. And so he gives the example, imagine if a snake were coming up to a baby and we're just about to bite it. If you just stood there and said, well, wait a minute, I can't, I can't stop the snake because if I do, if I kill it, I'll be violating the precepts. And then you're responsible for the death of the baby. Saying, sometimes we have to let go of the precepts and just act appropriate to the moment. And in, and in that case, you would save the life of the baby by violating the precept not killing the snake. So uh, Nishijima's approach is one that is more, um, more subtle in a way. It's acknowledging that this is a severe situation with no easy way out. And it requires some response that is relative to the circumstances. That kind of more flexible, more relative approach we could think about as a Mahayana perspective on the precepts in contrast to Daito Roshi's strict observance of the precept, which is more of a um, Hinayana approach to the precept. I did find one other interpretation of uh, this koan by another contemporary Zen teacher 
who basically condemns other Zen teachers for condemning Shishian. Uh, so there's no, no getting out of it here. Um, and it's true when, when they condemn Shishian or condemn other teachers, they are violating the precept of not demeaning others and elevating themselves. So here we go again. Sometimes things are complicated and uh, there is no easy, easy answer. Now, maybe the general was thinking about this Buddhist doctrine of emptiness. No, no thing has a permanent, fixed, uh, essential nature. And so ultimately, there is no person who kills, no person who dies, no killing, or even any precept of not killing. But... Uh, and you, there are Zen teachers who adopted a line like this. It's something that you find in the martial arts, for example, that if you, um, if you act in a way without any separation between, between you and the other, you wield your sword without any sense of self or other, no mind. You are in utter freedom and you can take life and be completely in accord with the enlightened way. That is a line we hear in the martial arts and sometimes you hear it uh, in Zen discourse. But uh, I think it uh, would be very dangerous to think that uh, the awakened life is one that is at odds with morality. Again, it's a kind of dualistic view. Uh, in a Fusatsu um, talk I gave a, a while back, um, maybe a few people remember, I mentioned another story about the national teacher who was asked to say a few words of Dharma. And he said, I am at fault. I am at fault. And he said that completely, I think, in the spirit of our verse of atonement that we chanted tonight at the beginning. All evil karma ever committed since of old, I atone for that. I am not separate from that. I am responsible for that. And I am at fault for that. But that very comment is a recognition of emptiness because emptiness really is based on the fact that Nothing has any inherent identity fixed uh, and independent because it is constantly dependent upon changing relations with everything else. So to say I am at fault in that sense is a statement from the perspective of Dharmakaya, um, an absolute perspective, recognition, recognizing total uh, interdependent causation. So we could perhaps think about Shishan's comment, I am watching closely as being similar to the Zen peacemaker order's notion of bearing witness. So the Zen peacemaker's three tenets begin with 
the idea that our, what our practice is about is, um, first of all, letting go of all of our um, established prejudices, all of that um, bundle of ideas and stories and judgments that we carry around with ourselves. Just let go of all of that and open our heart mind to what is actually happening here and now. And from that place of openness, we can just see what there is happening right now in front of us. We can bear witness to it. Even the most severe situations, we can, we can bear witness to them. We can see, we can hear, we can be intimate with what's happening. Even when a situation seems completely stuck at a total impasse, we can bear witness to that just be present to that. But it doesn't, uh, so that's very much, I think, in the spirit of Shishian's watching closely. But the, the third tenet of the Zen Peacemaker Orders is then to take action based on not knowing and the openness of heart and mind and based on bearing witness watching closely, taking action and doing the best we can. And maybe taking action means um, making a moral judgment and speaking out based on what our sense of right and wrong is. Maybe it's criticizing a Zen teacher like Daito Roshi did. Or maybe taking action is refraining from judgment or refraining from speaking out because the circumstances don't seem appropriate as in the case of Shishian. So if we go back to Ukraine, if a Russian general takes many lives in the war, just trying to fulfill his duties and perhaps with remorse about what he's doing. Is he at fault? And a Lithuanian general who takes lives, carrying out his duty, is he at fault? A Russian tennis player who doesn't denounce the most powerful person in his country, is he at fault? And what about us? Before the war started, the United States had very good intelligence about the plan for the invasion, and it did virtually nothing to prevent it. And now it is giving uh, large supplies of money and material and uh, intelligence to the Ukrainian government in a way that prolongs the war and adds to the fatalities and injuries and suffering. And as citizens of the United States, are we at fault 
what should we do? Should we speak out against the killing that we are not separate from? Or should we refrain from judgment because it seems uh, appropriate? I don't really have the answers to these questions. Um, I don't think that the precepts give us pre-digested answers to these questions. And if you ask different Zen teachers, they'll probably give you very different answers about what is right and wrong. So then in the end, we just have to come back to the beginning point, And that is, what is our own sense of right and wrong given the situation that we are in? We have to wake up to the reality of our lives. We have to look very closely at the circumstances of our lives the details of the situation. Maybe Buddha is in the details. We have to be careful about being self-righteous in judgment, but we also have to, we cannot avoid making moral judgments and acting based on our moral judgments. And then we have to, at some point, take action, doing the best we can, realizing that uh, we are never off the hook. When Dong Shang said, I am at fault, he was really saying, uh, I'm not off the hook. We are never off the hook of reality. So we take action knowing that we are not off the hook. Also knowing that whatever we do uh, may well fall short of what's needed. So maybe we have to pass judgment. And speak up about our judgments, or maybe we have to refrain from judging, or refrain from speaking up about our judgments. Maybe we have to follow the precepts very strictly, or maybe we have to let go of the precepts in order to live the precepts. I think that Xixian's uh, approach here probably reflected the teaching of his teacher, his teacher was Fayan. Fayan was a great teacher. You'll, you might remember Fayan is the one who had the exchange with his teacher, Dijon. Dijon asked, Where are you going? Fayan said, On pilgrimage. Why? I don't know. And Dijon said, Not knowing is most intimate. Fayan said to his students, if you want to understand the meaning of Buddha nature, pay attention to what is going on. He also said, I'll give you the expedient of one of the Buddha ancestors. 
take care. And about taking action, he said, just do what is appropriate to the moment. Thank you for your Fusatsu practice tonight, and please take care. <laughs>